Hello, this is Pastor Rebecca Bateman of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become so busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with a scripture lesson from that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all the diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our lesson this morning comes from the Gospel according to Mark. Mark is considered by most scholars to be the one who was the earliest writer to record the events of the Gospels. Now, if you plan to read Mark, you probably need to put on your running shoes because he doesn't want anyone to dilly-dally. He uses the word immediately over 40 times. He wants to keep everybody moving. In fact, scholars have noted that he contains less words of what Jesus said than any of the other gospel writers. You will hear that word immediately in our lesson this morning, which comes from the first chapter, beginning at verse 16. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. And this is the word of the Lord. Pray with me, please. Gracious God, we once again are gathered in this beautiful sanctuary. I pray that you enter the, enter the sanctuary of our hearts. So quiet every voice in us but your own. Amen. According to Mark, Jesus strolled by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew who were working by the sea with their nets, and he said, come, follow me. And then Mark tells us Jesus went a little further down the way, and he saw Simon's friend, who was also the son of Zebedee, and his brother James and John. And he calls to them, come, follow me. And they leave their father and the hired help in the boat. Gosh, it sounds so simple. Come, follow me. Now, I I don't know about you. Maybe I just don't have enough faith. But but seriously, I, I would have said, do you mind telling me where we are going? Do I need to bring a lunch? Will we be back before the Eagles game is on this evening? (laughs) Come and follow me. 
is the invitation. It's interesting, as you think about the criteria Jesus used to call disciples. I mean, I've looked through Mark. I don't see anywhere, anywhere, that Jesus did a background check on any one of them. He didn't ask for references. He didn't even give him a Minnie Myers-Briggs. He just says, come and follow me, and I will teach you everything you need to know about where we're going. Come and follow me is the invitation. Now, I don't know if you have ever tried to put together a staff, a team, or an organization. It's not easy. I mean, Jesus did not employ ZipRecruiter or LinkedIn to me. Just come and follow me. Well, if you've ever tried to put a team together, you know, it's exhausting. You have to find the right people at the right time to do the right job, or else you'll be up all night worrying about it. But Mark says, come and follow me. You know, I, I wonder what might have happened if Jesus employed, like we would employ, someone to cover all the background checks, make the reference calls, and do the testing. Joe Bentley played with this in his imagination, and he wrote something like this. Dear Jesus, from the Jerusalem Consultant Management Corporation, I want to thank you for providing us with the complete resumes of the 12 individuals you are considering for leadership in your startup enterprise. We have taken this very seriously. We have checked references. They all have received a battery of tests that we've run through the computer. And they have met individually, personally, with our psychiatrist and vocational consultant. We think you should keep looking. <laughs> we don't think this group has a clue of what it means to be a team. Peter. Peter is loud, obnoxious, and sometimes puts his foot in his own mouth. Andrew, such an introvert, we really can't find any leadership qualities. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, all they care about is what's in it for me. They are not really concerned about the whole team. Thomas seems to have a doubting attitude that we think will affect your morale as a team. And we feel we must inform you that Matthew recently has been removed as a member in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. You need to keep looking. There is one individual, Judas. He's talented. He knows how to move in the right circles. 
He knows the right words. We suggest you keep Judas as your right-hand man and look for some others as you begin to put together your enterprise. Gosh, I'm glad I didn't have to go that to become a Christian. Aren't you glad that we don't send you through a battery of tests to say, well, let's see if you are fit to be a member of this congregation. Aren't you glad Jesus sees us differently? Jesus is able to look at you and me and those disciples, and he sees something in there that often we don't even see ourselves. He believes in us, even when we find it hard to believe ourselves. We know we're not perfect. No one needs to tell us that when we're honest with ourselves. But it's so wonderful that Jesus seems to take great joy in working with imperfection to bring about his perfect heavenly plan. Just in case someone back by the scaffolding might say, well, what's this divine plan of God? Well, it's best said in a legend, a legend of long ago. Jesus returned to heaven following his ascension. And there he was greeted by all the angels, angels who had been watching from heaven for the last three years. They were so thrilled that he came home to be with them in heaven. And then they realized how much they had seen over those years. Some of them were part of the heavenly host. That night Jesus was born at the back of the inn in Bethlehem. They kind of smiled when they watched him grow in stature and wisdom and even laughed a bit when Mary and Joseph forgot him and left him back in the temple. They were amazed at the depth of his teaching and they nodded their heads when he took on the distortion of faith by the scribes and the Pharisees. They were puzzled. Why did he want to go to Jerusalem? They were quiet as they heard him say those words in the upper room as he broke bread and shared the cup. This is the commandment I leave with all of you. Love one another, just as I have loved you. They were breathless, and they wept when they nailed Jesus to the cross. And then they started to flutter the rings, wings, dance and sing, and do everything else on Easter. They were so glad to have Jesus back. And then one of the angels said, Lord, what, what's the plan now that you're back in heaven? What, what's the plan on earth to carry on the message of the gospel to show people how much God loves them? What, what's the plan? And Jesus said, oh, you know, I left Peter and 
Andrew and James and John and Matthew. Yeah, yeah, we, we know all about them. We've watched. Seriously, what's the plan? What's the plan to share the gospel? Jesus said, well, you know, like I said, Peter and Andrew, James and John and Matthew, that's the plan. He said, no, seriously, what's the backup plan? Jesus said, there is no backup plan. It's in the hands of my disciples. Peter, Andrew, James and John and Matthew. Hattie May and Lizzie Johnson. Do you know about Lizzie Johnson? At the turn of the last century, in a little town in Illinois, there was a little girl, and all she ever wanted to do with her life was to do something special for the Lord that she loved. In her mind, she, she hoped that one day she could be a missionary. She could go all over the world telling and showing people the love of God. That was her dream. Sadly, at the age of 13, due to a bad accident, she was paralyzed. She spent the rest of her life in a bed, watching the world through a mirror that was attached to the ceiling. She wanted to do something. But what? Here she was, paralyzed, looking at the world through the mirror attached to the ceiling. So she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. And then one day it came to her. She decided she was going to make bookmarks. She had a tiny bit of movement in her fingers. So she started to crochet bookmarks. And in that first year, she crocheted a thousand bookmarks. And that little church where she lived sold those bookmarks for a dollar. A thousand dollars. And she said, all of it has to go to support foreign mission. And so it did. This little girl who just wanted to do something for the Lord that she loved. Well, Lizzie Johnson died at the age of 40. But she crocheted many a bookmark, sold them for a dollar, and it went to support missionaries around the world. And as you might well imagine, the story of her and her bookmarks spread as missionaries would receive just a little extra because of a little girl who saw the world through a mirror attached to the ceiling. You fast forward to 1951, and there was a Japanese distinguished man, a Christian, named Dr. Matsumoto. He was the principal 
of a prestigious Christian girls' school in Hiroshima. He traveled throughout the United States talking about his faith and what it was like when the bomb fell and what it was like to feel that he was spared. Well, he came to that little town that no one ever heard of in Illinois to give a speech. And in the crowd that day was a young pastor and an elderly woman named Alice Johnson, the younger sister of Lizzie. After Dr. Matsuyoto was finished, the young pastor took Lizzie's young sister up to meet the distinguished Christian who ran that school for girls. And as they were chatting, all of a sudden it, it dawned on him, and he said, wait a minute, are you Lizzie Johnson's little sister? And she said, yes, I am. And he said, everything that I am, I owe to Lizzie Johnson. All that I have become in life, I owe to those bookmarks. Because you see, with that little bit of money, I was able to pay because my parents had no money. I went to the only Christian school in our remote village. Everything I am, I owe to Lizzie Johnson. Just imagine, just imagine what God did. God took those bookmarks and Lizzie Johnson and they went further than they could ever imagine or dream. It went beyond anything that Lizzie Johnson hoped for with her life. Strange, isn't it? And the angel said, what's the backup plan? Jesus said, there is no backup plan. It all depends on Peter and Andrew, and James and John, Hattie Mae, Lizzie Johnson, and you. That's the plan. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.